Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co founder and president of Promo Cares and vice president of sales and marketing for Branded Logistics. Promo Cares is a 100% volunteer initiative created to lift up and recognize companies in the promotional products industry using their businesses as superpowers for social good. We help suppliers, distributors, decorators, service providers, and end buyers alike become a bridge for positive social impact. We do this through best practice sharing, online and offline collaboration efforts, and helping organizations with their give back work by marketing their efforts and telling their stories. We dust off the cobwebs today of the co-host chair and welcome in my goodness doppelganger, Mr. Danny Rosen. I thought it would be appropriate to welcome Danny to this episode, both for the value of his relationship with today's guest, but also, Danny, it's the one-year anniversary of our recording in the So You're in Sales podcast series, which is pointed to by many as the inspiration and genesis of what became Promo Cares. Danny's professional and goodness resumes are extensive, so for the sake of time, we'll boil it down to the fact that Danny has founded or co-founded so many successful things and generously given his time to so many people who've gone on to do really great things. It's the mark of a true leader, and one of the things I admire about my good friend very much. Welcome, Mr. Rosen. Wow. Wow. A year, man. Congratulations, Roger. That's awesome. I uh yeah, it really is. I, I prefer do good doppelganger because it's got some alliteration to it. But but man, you and I have, yeah, you and I have had some good times together, and I am really really excited to be a part of this podcast and co-host with you. One because I'm proud of you and getting it done in a, over a year. You've done so much, and and also because I have just a massive amount of respect for our guest Stan. So looking forward to seeing what he has to share with us. It's gonna be killer. So yes, the good fortune we have to welcome. Best-selling author, IBM futurist, TEDx speaker, Forbes contributor. Dang, Stan, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. With extensive knowledge and background in customer experience and employee engagement, Stan's spoken at more than 250 events, including several in our industry, most recently being PPAI's North American Leadership Conference back in October. On his timeline, you'll find Stan speaking on every inhabited continent, and he's worked in more than a dozen countries for Fortune 100 brands, including IBM, Target, ESPN, UPS. I could go on. A lot of acronyms in there, I think. Um, yeah, well, you know, before you start sharing his gifts with brands around the globe, he worked at IMG, which I got to ask you if you ever went to the Winston-Salem office, Adidas, and the PGA. He also spent seven years at Chief Solutions Officer for Synergy, which was an award-winning marketing agency doing things like making crazy crop circles for Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Super cool. So he went to uh, Marist for uh, bachelor's in marketing, went to Villanova, Harvard in there somewhere. I thought I saw Rutgers. He teaches at Rutgers. And then, of course, Stan and Danny both together served on the board of the AMA Triangle, which uh, Stan was president. And in his One Louder campaign, landed the Triangle chapter, the best in the country chapter distinction. Woo, woo, woo. He's an acclaimed author, six books titled with colorfully descriptive goldfish names, including an update to the Green Goldfish title in collaboration with Lauren McGee coming this month. What's up, Stan? 
How you doing? Wow. That's man. That's something. <laughs> that, that, Thanks. Takes, that takes a while. <laughs> the goldfish, the goldfish are going strong. Yeah, no doubt. Right. And, and congrats on the new edition with green. And we're getting excited to want to be able to see that one. And, uh, but mm-hmm. listen, you know, nothing for nothing, Stan. I, I'm, I've really, uh, you've been on my list for a long time of somebody to bring onto the uh, episode. So I'm super excited that you had a chance to join us. Um, and, you know, much of your content really focuses on this whole notion of differentiation via added value. And there's a lot of us here in the promotional products industry that are, are um, evolving our businesses in ways uh, that allow us the opportunity to be able to do that exact thing. Um, and, you know, really, I think in a lot of ways, that's, that's either considered a survival strategy in some ways, or, you know, other people are doing it more as a, as a look forward, as opposed to guarding against the rear. But, um, you know, I really, I, what I was hoping we would do um, while, you know, green's coming out the update, I really want to focus on red goldfish. Sure. And, and the reason for that being is, you know, the byline of that book reads becoming a for purpose, for purpose business to drive loyalty and sales. And, you know, you really have a lot of great examples in there and you even go through, uh, you know, those eight different ways that businesses can embrace purpose. So it's real tactful and tact, you know, tactile, tactical and engaged uh, strategies in there that people can use that really, I mean, can take straight to the bottom line. So, right. um, you know, so the, our podcast, you know, Promocares Radio in a lot of ways is meant to inspire people to bring their giving heart to work. And, you know, all your books are relevant, but it really seems like Red fits the bill, don't you think? Absolutely. The heart of everything I've written about is either doing the little things and leveraging the power of the gift to be able to create an experience for either your customers or your employees. And I think, you know, we're now up to seven colors. I'm, I'm working on the eighth color in the series. And I think maybe fundamentally, red is right up there in terms of, I think, the most important, um, important thing I've contributed throughout the entire series. And that's the idea of how do you bring your purpose to life? How do you do the little things to be able to cut through for both your customers and your employees, because I think that's going to be critical, more and more critical as we go forward. Yeah, I, mean, I think the the pace toward that becoming expectation is quickening. Yeah, and um, you know, I really that that's it's great that you bring that up because um, you know I don't I don't think anyone listening will dispute the fact that there's a rapid evolution going on in in the business world. Um, and, you know, I think we all feel the pressure of the pace of that change and our ability to be able to keep up with that. So knowing that, you know, in, in, from your viewpoint, you, you have had a lot of time to examine this evolution. So I'm hoping that you could, uh, for the listeners, kind of share your perspective on that landscape as it exists today in your mind. Sure. And then what, what are you feeling are some of the uh, important reactions, uh, evolutions, if you will, that business people should be considering based on what you see in that changing landscape? Sure. Let me start out and just say, look, I think we're on the cusp of a pretty big sea change. You know, if you think back just 20 years ago, business was binary. You were either a for-profit business or you were a not-for-profit. 
you were a uh, you know you were either five hundred one c three or you were a regular company, and in the last ten to fifteen years, there's now instead of that black or white, there is a ton of gray within there, whether it's the B Corp movement, the ability to establish a firm in dozens of state as a benefit corporation, meaning that your shareholders can actually sue you if you're not living up to that social benefit in terms of your yeah. charter. And I think we're, we're only a few years away from people no longer looking at business and saying, oh, that's a for-profit business or that's a not-for-profit. I think the new paradigm going forward is that people are going to say, that's a for-purpose business. Oh, and that one over there, that's a not-for-purpose business. And guess what? With Gen Z and millennials, they want to work for, and more importantly, they want to do business with companies that are for purpose. Yeah, we, Danny and I have had the good fortune to give a few presentations to uh, members of the industry, but then I've also had the opportunity now on a couple of occasions to present this uh, hypothesis at the end buyer level. And what I can tell you from the reaction that I received in those end buyer interactions, uh, it, it, there's there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. Right. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to hear firsthand from the people who are making purchasing decisions specific to the uh, promotional products spend within an organization. And they're compelled to at least ask the question. And... I guess, Stan, from your perspective, I mean, what do you think are some of the motivating factors that found us here now? Well, you know, I think it's been an evolution. You mentioned the word evolution before. This didn't just happen. Right. First off, you have to go back just 130, 140 years ago. Everything that you consumed, you knew the person that made it. Think about that for a second. Everything you bought and consumed, you knew exactly the person that made it. You know, um, the idea of a corporation um, is, is relatively new. We're only talking about, you know, the modern corporation 100 plus years ago. Sure, yeah. And so the first, what I call the 1.0 in terms of who did you put the focus on? And in the 1.0 of business, who got all the attention? It was only about the shareholder. And in fact, how could you maximize return to the shareholder? Everyone else was secondary to that. And that's the way it was till about 30, I'd say 40 years ago, when I think the 2.0 version kind of elevated and came to the fore. And that was the idea that, no, you don't put the shareholder first. In 2.0, you actually put the customer first. And that business was about getting and keeping customers. And if you could actually get and keep customers, then what happened was the shareholder would be taken care of. And I think 20 years ago, we started to get ushered into the 3.0 version of business. And that was a realization that, no, 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 you don't put the customers first. Actually, who generates all of this value? Who, who stands between the company and 
the customer. And in the 3.0 version, it was, no, we actually need to put the employees first. Mm -hmm. And we can't have happy customers unless we have happy, engaged employees. So we actually have to put culture at the center of everything we do. And if we can recruit and motivate and train the right people, they're going to create that great experience. And I think the 4.0 is this idea of no, actually purpose should be at the center of everything we do. And if you look at the work that Simon Sinek has done, which I think is groundbreaking and start with why, um, it's always been there, but I think it's now elevated to the point that with social media and the internet, that we have the ability to understand that backstory to a much greater extent. And so I think purpose has become in this 4.0 model, the center of what you do. And here's the deal. It's not enough to say it. People will actually look at what you actually do. Right. And so Red Goldfish was about not only understanding your purpose, but more importantly, what are the little things that you do to elevate and bring that purpose to life for your employees, for your customers, and for society wow. as a whole? Wow. Can I interject something there? Go. Yeah, you got me. You got my mind spinning a bit. I think this idea of um, a business investment in the community is this decision that um, that helps get us there, but it's not this one and done check writing experience. You know, it's not just like, hey, we're going to write a big check to a cause and therefore we're going to be a purposeful business. I think it's more about investing in community, being a part of the year round business plan. And I also believe that employees, when a part of that business plan uh, and they get invested in that, uh, that creates even more success. So this idea that companies must determine what their roles are as corporate citizen is critical. And, um, and we talk, Roger and I've talked about this sort of macro idea, like the, the biggest things that have ever happened in the business world. You know, you've got, uh, you've got Gates and, and the internet, you've got um, this guy, Steve Jobs and the iPhone, everything goes mobile. And then you've got this guy, Larry Fink of BlackRock, the world's largest investment firm, like $6 trillion, funding so many businesses and organizations saying they will not fund any organization not making a positive contribution to society. And so he's shooting one over the bow to businesses, like tell them to look out for these stakeholders as well as the shareholders. Right. And I think that we've learned that, you know, as companies and, and those in, in the decision-making seats that we should budget not just on this sort of cash donation, give back level. You know, we could use in-kind donations. I think about promotional products as such a great way where we can share our industry's value with nonprofits and helping them market and grow and raise funds, but also volunteer hours, getting employees involved, getting ambassadors in the company who can bring coworkers together, employee engagement opportunities, bring their clients and suppliers or families along for the ride. And all that's to say is like you said, Stan, it's, it's about client retention and productivity, brand reputation. Mm -hmm. And it's just plain good. It's smart to use your business in a way to be a superpower for good in this world. Danny, I, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> used to be, <clears throat> you know, it was an or situation. You had to either seek profit or you had to seek purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend David Howitt calls it the tyranny of or. 
And I believe in more of a yes and type of philosophy. And I think you can have both profit and purpose. It's not about, you can be, um, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to settle going forward. And I think the studies show that companies that actually do, do develop that strong purpose and live it actually outperform. So this is no longer about altruism. Mm -hmm. This is about good business. Good business. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah. And to me, uh, when, when we think about um, commerce is crowded and difficult and full of disruptors, more so now than any time ever, and our ability to communicate value has been challenged like no other time in history. And if you are attempting to find a way to align your message in a way that will resonate in the marketplace, what better way than to say, our business is here to do this one thing. And this one thing is fueled by people doing business with us. Yep. And it will align the customers who want to work that way will seek you employees who are looking to be fulfilled at work will seek you then you'll you'll be able to pick from your vendors based on the way that they approach your relationship with them i mean it there's just i'm not saying it's the only way and i think that would be a, you know foolhardy for us to suggest it's the only way but it certainly is a very strong way to cut out a lot of the noise both how you organize your business but also how you present your business to your customers and prospects right Right. It's it, at the end of the day, it's it's in a crowded marketplace. It's really about differentiating what you do and how you do it. And that's the to me, that's the crux of all marketing. And I think this is just an intelligent way to do business as we move forward. So I, I need to um, present a counter argument that I often receive just for the opportunity for you to uh, share your thoughts on it. I do this frequently. So there are a number of people that I know within our space who, when presented what I express, will take me aside privately and say, the challenge for me in what you're doing is not that I disagree or think it's the wrong thing to do, but I've been taught that charity stays at home and that you're not supposed to promote what you're doing philanthropically for fear of being seen as a self-promoter. Mm -hmm. What what say you to that viewpoint? Well, I I I agree that you don't it needs to be about the fabric of your being as opposed to doing good just to show that you're doing good. Correct. In other words, purpose is to me so much stronger than mission. Purpose to me is the North Star that you'll never get to. But these are the things that you do to show that you're moving towards that North Star and staying true um, to that strong vision. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, I, I don't buy into this in the world that we live in that you do it from an altruistic um, and you do it from not to say that you ha always have to shout it from the rooftops, but I would say, why wouldn't you want to flaunt or be proud of what you do 
and to be share that, sharing that with your customers, your employees, your suppliers to, to shine a light on it. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, and um, our good collective good friend, Kirby Hossman, uh, when the last time I was on his Delivering Marketing Joy series, he asked me the question, you know, sort of like, uh, who, who, who is this for? You know, who, who would be the person who, I, I, and I said, well, if you don't identify with this when you're listening to it, then it's probably not for you. And it's pretty simple, right? So, right. And, and what I don't want people doing is to sit the, think that they have to sit and rearrange their businesses to try to adopt to some uncomfortable model that somehow is going to make their business more successful. That, that's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is there's something that you're passionate about that you believe that the, the, what you're capable of doing at work could spill over into that which you're passionate about. Why on earth would you not do that? Right. I must feel like, uh, you know, I, I think what we're saying in, in a way is that as much as we feel like it is up to corporations to be in the driver's seat in regards to making these determinations around purpose, I think it starts with individuals, individual voices in action shaping tomorrow's world. So these are employees who care and they are willing to take the bull by the horns and create initiatives for a business. A marketing department can have a marketing leader that makes a shift in terms of cause marketing efforts, which I hope we get a chance to talk a little bit. But this idea of, of people having buying power to make purchasing decisions with brands that serve the world well, especially when all things are equal, why not choose the brands that are helping improve the world? You know, make decisions to work with organizations that put employees, not bottom lines first. And when we start to do that, there will be a sea change. I think people will see the investment that individuals are making, and it will be the greater good of all. We'll start to shift businesses to make these determinations because we're demanding it as consumers. We're demanding it as employees. Right. You know, the, the, the concept that I write and speak about and, and, is, is a concept that developed back in the 1840s in Louisiana. And it's this idea of doing a little something extra. And back in New Orleans, it was customary for brands and companies and businesses to do, you know, above and beyond the traction, you know, the transaction to give kind of this little gift, this little something extra. And to me, that's the genius part of this, this idea of doing a little bit more is that you go from this transactional zero-sum game where you, know, you have to extract as much value as you can to a situation where you're now leveraging the tremendous power of the gift by, by layering this little something extra on top of the transaction. So now this promotional product that you give is not just the product, but it actually represents something more, whether it's drawing awareness to something, whether it's part of an experience that's something bigger. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that little something extra is such a big differentiator um, that I think a lot of people are missing out on. Awesome. It's awesome. So how about we talk a little bit about... Um about this color choice in red a little bit, because I, I think mm -hmm. maybe we should sort of move towards uh, the, the idea around uh, what Bono did with the red campaign, raising almost a half a billion dollars 
uh, for AIDS research and, and, um, and other examples that you may have that will inspire individuals to shake their businesses up or, or those in the corporate leadership roles to make determinations to shift their business model a bit. Why Red? You know, talk to us about Bono. Tell us about some stories that are out there in the marketplace that are really doing some wonderful things for, for communities. Yeah. So, you know, Bono, I mean, the, the inspiration comes from an unlikely source. You know, Bono back in 2006 uh, had this idea. He partnered with Bobby Shriver and they launched the Red Campaign. And if you've ever seen Apple or The Gap or um, Nike or any other, pro- any other companies do a red version of a product, it's a simple idea that a for-profit company could create a product of which a certain percentage of the proceeds would go back to charity. And uh, what was amazing at the time, you know, Bono's big cause was Africa. And the money that was being given to fight the different causes in Africa was something, it was something outrageously small back in the mid 2000s. Like the amount that had been given was like five or 10 million from the public sector. Wow. And what's amazing in just the 12 years that the red campaign has been around and Danny, you quoted the you quoted the number to me the other day, but it's upwards of now almost a half a billion dollars that they've raised. And I love this, you know, the the idea that for-profit companies can actually, you know, kind of leverage the power of the gift to give back to a cause. And so that was very much, you know, all all of my books have a color associated. And it was, you know, the lead singer from U2 that was behind Red. Wow. Any others you can think of, Stan, off the top of your head where you see some cause marketing in action that you're just really impressed with? Oh, I mean, I, we collected for this book, I think, nearly 300 stories. One that's near and dear to my heart um, is, is what Harley David, Davidson does um, in terms of creating experiences. So... Uh, they have a program that they run for first responders as well as returning military members. And it's the Harley Davidson Riding Academy. You know, Harley is all about freedom and creating an outlet for people. Um, and it's a little small thing that they do to give back to those first responders and those veterans to give them an outlet. And I think that's a great one. Another one that I love um, is called Panera Cares. Mm. And this is about Panera opening some of their stores where there actually are no, there are suggested prices, but it's, it's literally, instead of being a soup kitchen, it is a four, um, essentially you make donations when you get food there and no one's turned away. You give what you, you want to give. Um, and to me, it's, it's, you know, it's an amazing way to give back to the community and to make it work. You have to have the people that are in need that can benefit from the free meals, but also those, um, that are willing to actually fund and go beyond. And it's been a great and a successful experiment for Panera. Yeah. I was thinking about the Harley Davidson, uh, one, the uh, the idea that they have built this community around a brand 
and they've got this giving component. I think you think of that from the outside looking in uh, as an outsider. Uh, you, you think of this brand as, as something that may not be the warmest giving brand, mm-hmm. but um, just the power of that brand and what they're doing as a community. I think about businesses finding their communities and connecting in this way is just so important. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're, they're if Seth Godin said something once. He said, like, there are thousands of people who have Harley Davidson tattoos, but nobody has a Suzuki tattoo. Mm, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Like, w- they have built something really powerful, and there's a component to giving in there for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've done a great job of building community and rallying around that purpose. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your perspective on B Corporation status. Um we have uh, we've created something uh, called Promo Cares, which you know about, where we are doing our best to sort of follow that channel a bit uh, in our industry. We're trying to focus on organizations, suppliers, distributors, possibly end buyers, uh, hopefully with collaborative efforts where we are using our industry for social good. And we want to tell those stories, but we're putting some criteria around it. And this would be lined up with what the B Corporation is uh, is doing, B Certified, B Labs. Talk to us about um, what you see in that uh, organization, why it's worthy, uh, maybe why it's not, um, and, and what's happening there, growth or sort of or it's retracting in some way. Sure. What do you see? So real quick, I'm, I used to be a shoe dog. I spent almost a decade working with Adidas. And so I love, I love the industry. And it's a couple of guys that were a couple of the founders for And One. Do you guys remember And One? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. The And One Tour. Yeah, the mixtape. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're based, I want to say, in the just outside of Philly. And they even though they were a for-profit company, they did a lot of things to kind of give back and, and to um, be very conscious in terms of how they operated as a business, how they treated their employees, how they sourced, um, how they lived up to kind of a, a stronger purpose. And they saw an opportunity to try to create um, a thing that they call a B Corp, um, this certification that it's voluntary, but as a business, if you want to actually go on the journey, there is a, a grading scale. Um, and as long as you certify and get to a certain um, grade and you have, I think there's a small little licensing thing that you have to continue to renew, you can bill yourself as a B Corp. Um, and I think it's, you know, the... The founder of Whole Foods, um, John Mackey, has written a great book, which this idea of what he calls conscious capitalism. Um, And so I think conscious capitalism, the B Corps, um, this idea of I think it's 37 or 38 states now that you can actually charter your company as a benefit corporation. And, you know, that's part of your charter, man. That's how you can't change that. Right. You know, B Corp certification, maybe you can decide after a couple of years that it's not for you. But if you actually charter your business as a benefit corporation, you're saying that profits, profits aren't the most important thing. You actually have to live up to that social benefit. Um, And I think there, you know, there's, there are, there are a bunch of these things that I think are, 
are, are creating that gray area and that shift that I think now there is an expectation that you need to be greater than just the, you know, your quarterly earnings and doing everything towards the bottom line. Yeah, that's good stuff. Raj, you got any follow-up questions for Stan here? We covered a lot of good ground. Well, you know, I thought it might be uh, noteworthy given your PPAI board status and, and the, the view that that affords you from our industry's perspective. I mean, I'd ask you the same question, Danny. Like, what do you see in our space with respect to uh, first movers, early movers in our space around this whole social good component? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it's amazing that uh, companies like Fairware, um, Raining Rose, there are a couple that come to mind that have B Corporation status. Uh, this this idea of um, having, you know, reduced inequality, uh, you know, healthier environments, stronger communities, focusing on, you know, employees, uh, again, the, the difference between shareholder and stakeholder value, this is a part of their DNA, and they've built great businesses around that. I think they are uh, really leading the way and trying to, um, you know, get others to, to follow. I don't think it's like something that we should see as a competitive scenario. I think it's just an opportunity. Then there's so many organizations out there that are doing sort of one-off project-based stuff as well. Uh, I think the future is bright. Um, when I think about the association PPAI focusing on moving from a transactional to more of a relational uh, organization where you might actually hear the word love. I love my association. They do great things for me. I think there's an opportunity for promo cares to be involved in, in, um, in some of you know, the strategic focus uh, for the industry. Um, I think about what Sanmar is doing uh, with their focus on supply chain. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Brandfuel applied for B Corporation status probably eight, nine years ago when it was early on. And although we failed, we didn't fail miserably, but where we failed was the supply chain. We didn't know where products were coming from. There was no QCA, which by the way, the Quality Certification Alliance, what Tim Brown's doing, those guys, uh, really important uh, for our space, um, you know, to make sure we have some certification to know what products are coming into the marketplace, that they are safe, and that, you know, certainly no one wants to have a, you know, public relations scandal on their hands, but more importantly, you know, we, want, we don't want to put things into the product, uh, into the marketplace that are unsafe or unhealthy in some way. And so those things have changed. I think the association has been a big time driver of that. And I think that's an important component of, of where the industry needs to go. But the deal is this, we are doing a little bit. We could do so much more. And, and, I, and I think Roger, you and I have talked to so many individuals um, and sometimes in leadership roles where um, they're desperate to figure out how to do it and, and they just need to put together a plan they need to rally their troops and, and earmark some budget for doing good to work on some uh, campaigns uh, together and, and to look at, uh, you know, our entire supply chain from the, uh, the distributor to supplier and again to the end user to, to bring that all together by selling product with purpose. We're so used to, you know, price is such a, a driver of what we sell in this highly commoditized space. And here we've got this opportunity to put purpose into our sales process to be a differentiator, to say that if you buy this, a percentage goes back here. If you buy this, another one will be given to someone who is less fortunate than you. And to me, those are really compelling ways to go into the marketplace. I'm excited about the future. I love that someone like Stan, with all of his degrees and books written and <laughs> all over the world, can join us and tell us that this is the future. 
uh, I just say, you know, giddy up and get on board, guys. Let's do this. Yeah. So Stan, in closing, I'd say, uh, where might the newly inspired business person go if we did our job right now? Where, where would you point them to say, all right, you want to go on this journey? Start there. Well, I think, I think if they, if they wanted to pick up, um, anything by, if they wanted to pick up, uh, red goldfish would be a great start. Yeah. And I know, I know we're going to do a little something extra for folks that are listening to this on the day it's launched. That's a good start. Um, there's a ton of literature out there around B Corps. Um, you know, there, yeah, there, do here, here would be my thing though. It's great to read it. It's great to start small. Yes. You know, if any, if I feel like my contribution with red goldfish to this is that, Hey, it's great to understand your why, but it's more important to create little things that you can do. Um, and I want to leave with one last quote. This is one of the ones that we had in the book. It's from a woman that, that Rebecca Smith, who's the founder of Better Life Bags. And she uses a lot of um, people who are refugees and immigrants to help her make these bags and provide jobs. But she says this, she says, we don't have to be a nonprofit to make a difference in this world. She says, we can be a for-profit that does things differently. And again, such amazing quote, it's all about how do you stand out in a sea of sameness? And I think embracing purpose is one of those key ways. Well said. And we're talking about uh, differentiation by providing added value. I don't know how you get more valuable than what we're talking about. So stop. we're going to let that be a mic drop moment for Stan. What do you say, Danny? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm clapping over here in Raleigh, North Carolina, right down the river from Stan Phelps. That's right. Well, I loved it. Is I'm my face is hurting from smiling so much. I made my day, man. So, uh, Stan, thanks so much, man. And uh, I I look forward to spreading a little more gold red goldfish out there in the world uh, after everybody listens. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Stan. You bet, man. Take care.